I think it's really important for most entrepreneurs to know that the very last skill set that 95%, when we did the research, 95% of entrepreneurs learn is finance because it's not taught in schools. We don't understand it typically even in our own personal finance, but business finance, once you understand the data and the numbers and we don't emotionally attach ourselves to the result, we can make such better decisions in our business based on the data. I'm Amy Porterfield, ex-corporate girl turned CEO of a multi-seven-figure business. But it wasn't all that long ago that I lacked the confidence, the budget, and the time to focus on growing my small but mighty business. Fast forward past many failed attempts and lessons learned, and you'll see the business I have today, one that changes lives and gives me more freedom than I ever thought possible, one that used to only exist as a daydream. I created the Online Marketing Made Easy podcast to give you simple, actionable, step-by-step strategies to help you do the same. If you're an ambitious entrepreneur or one in the making who's looking to create a business that makes an impact and a life you love, you're in the right place, friend. Let's get started. Well, hey there, friend. Happy Thursday or whatever day you may be listening to this episode. Thank you so much for being here and joining me. I know there are so many podcasts to choose from, but by you being here, I know you're saying yes to your future, saying yes to your business, and saying yes to a life that's 100% on your terms. I also know that if you clicked on this episode, you're interested in hearing some business and financial strategies that you can use to help build long-term wealth. And oh my goodness, do I have something really special for you. In this episode, you're going to hear from Candy Valentino, a business and finance expert who started her entrepreneurial journey at just 19 years old with no business background, no experience, and went on to create a multi-million dollar business empire. She's been focused in Forbes, Success Magazine, Fast Company, and her book, Wealth Habits, Six Ordinary Steps to Achieve Financial Freedom, is the number one new release in three different categories on Amazon. My brand voice guide is my business's North Star when it comes to keeping all my business content and marketing content clear, consistent, and inviting. That's why I created the brand voice guide outline you wish you had sooner, which is a free resource to help your business experience the same as mine. So all you have to do is plug in your business details into the given outline that I've created that has all the essential components of a brand voice guide. So you don't even have to pay to get it created like I did. You can plug in your information and you'll be well on your way to having a cohesive voice across all brand assets. And I've even shared my own brand voice guide with you so you can use it as a reference as you craft your own. It's like having a mentor right by your side. So go to amyporterfield.com forward slash voice guide to grab your copy of the brand voice guide outline you wish you had sooner. And I can promise you, you're going to elevate your brand instantly. That's amyporterfield.com forward slash voice guide. Now, one thing I absolutely love about Candy is that she skips the fluffy think and grow rich mentality 
that you hear touted by so many, quote, financial gurus out there. And instead, she breaks down wealth creation with practical, actionable steps that anyone at any stage of the game can use. In fact, Candy is living proof that achieving financial freedom is possible, even if you start with absolutely nothing. She has an incredibly inspiring story, one that you'll hear a bit about in this episode. And because we're in such a, let's say, interesting financial time right now, not only with tax day coming up, but with the uncertain state of the economy, Candy is also going to share some of her business tax strategies that can save you tons of money, along with simple things you can do to recession-proof your business. So if you're ready to take some serious notes, let's do this. Hey there, Candy. Welcome to the show. Amy, thank you so much for having me. Oh, I've been excited to have you. I got to come and speak at one of your events when your book came out. And I love your energy. I love your audience. I love everything that you teach. So I thought, I got to get this girl on this podcast. The feeling is mutual. So thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad you said yes. So here's the thing. You've had an incredible journey behind stage. When we weren't on stage, we got to talk a little bit about it. And I thought, wait, this, this story is really good. Things didn't start out as easy as it might be for some others for you. So I wanted my listeners who may not be familiar with you. Can you share a little bit about where you started and where you are today? Yeah. So, um, super, you know, grew up super poor. Um, I started on growing up in a trailer on government assistance with two teenage parents. My mom was 16. My dad was 19 when they found out they were going to have me. Neither of them had graduated from high school. My dad is a self-taught mechanic. My mom cleaned houses. And so I grew up, you know, really watching two people work really hard. Life was about survival, about making it work. And so, you know, fast forward to, getting a little older, I was in my dad's garage every single day. Like most kids might learn dance or soccer or a sport. I was dropped off at my dad's auto mechanic shop from the time I was five until I was 16. So I thought I wanted to be the first in my family, right? To go to college and do all these things. And what I realized really early on was as I was in a business class for the first time and I was talking to my professor and I was asking him like, what type of business did you have, you know, before you became a professor? And He's like, oh, I, I don't, I never had a business. Like I've been teaching here. And I remember thinking like, how can you teach me how to have a business and actually do the grunt work and build it if you haven't done it yourself? And it was just like a switch flipped. And I realized that college wasn't my thing, that I wanted to get out, build a business, create wealth so that I didn't have to have a life of struggle like in my childhood. And so I started uh, researching. I got an SBA loan at the age of 19 figured out how to hire people. I had seven staff before we even opened. And I had a six-week run rate with an SBA loan to just figure it out. So talk about leverage and talk about pressure in order to make sure that you make it work, right? So that was kind of the first part of uh, my entrepreneurial journey. Okay. So two questions about that. What inspired you to start a business at such a young age? And what did that business look like? And then also you were 19 years old, no degree, no corporate background, no real money. You were getting that loan. How did you even have the confidence to do something like that? Okay. So two. So the first question, it's all about what we hear. 
And prior to being 15 years old, you know, I had, we're all a product of kind of what is either caught or taught in our environment. And in my environment, you know, my parents were super young. They were just trying to figure it out. So a lot of my big dreams, although they didn't intentionally try to squash them, a lot of my big dreams were kind of met with big resistance, kind of like that's going to be too big for you. I don't think you should get into that, right? But I had a very divine moment when I was 15 years old at 3 a.m. when I was laying on the couch, couldn't sleep in that trailer that I grew up on. I'll never forget the flowered couch. If anyone grew up in the 80s, everybody had the same brown and same. yellow flowered couch, right? The, the um, uh, what's that called? The wood paneling on the walls, right? And the TVs that weren't flat screens, but they had the big box behind them. And I remember this coming on TV and there was this guy that was sitting in the most beautiful location with all of these palm trees, with a sparkling pool behind him. And he said, you're not a product of your circumstances. You're a product of your decision. And that nothing that happened in your life will define you unless you define it. And that was Tony Robbins selling his personal power tapes. And so I had the money from businesses that I had and babysitting and things. And I said to my dad, dad, I just need to use your credit card so I can get these cassette tapes. I said, but I have the money. And he said to me, because again, not that he, he meant it in ill will in any way, but his limitation, right? We're all a limitation of our own experience. He said to me, all you're going to do is give that guy your $600 and he's going to be a millionaire and you're going to be right where you are. And thankfully, I have a little bit of a challenging personality. So I took that as a challenge and not as a defeat. And I said, oh yeah, watch me. So I realized that I needed to be resilient in the moment and I needed to find a solution. The only thing that was keeping me away from what I thought that I needed was a credit card. So the next day we were at Sears when back in the day, Sears was the thing. My dad was buying tools and I took a Discover card application because back in the day, you know, you had to fill them out. You didn't get online and, and do the yes. application. I fraudulently filled it out. I do not recommend anyone doing this because <laughs> it was a totally different time. But I was honest in the fact that I paid it back. But I did lie about my age and my income because I was only 15. And lo and behold, about two weeks later, I got a Discover card at the age of 15. So I used that card, bought those tapes, sat and listened tape after tape. And I wrote my first set of goals at 15 in my high school cafeteria and achieved every single one of them by the time I was 23. So my my divine moment was being exposed to Tony at a very young age and not knowing otherwise, right? I think sometimes we have so much conditioning in our environment of what we should think and what we should believe. And because I didn't have a lot of that and I had to figure it out on my own, I just heard something that sounded different, but that it hit. It just spoke to me in some way. And rather than questioning it, I just went for it and made it happen. And that literally was a pivotal moment in my life that made me think that if this guy said, who's sitting in this beautiful place, that we can become a product of our decisions, then I'm going to decide to have a different life. And I just took the next steps to do that. And your second question is, what gave me the confidence? You know, I looked back at all of the things that I had overcome, you know, growing up with teenage parents, being sexually abused as a child, having so much adversity that I had to overcome. If I was able to get through all of that 
and to be able to survive 100% of my worst days, then starting a business is nothing. Figuring out how to make money is nothing. Like I felt like I had already made it. I I had the chance to be an 87% statistic. When you grow up in the environment that I did, overcoming, having the abuse that I had to deal with, I remember reading a stat that 87% of most people that do that, they too become a teenage parent. They too have other issues in their life. They too typically get addicted to drugs or some other sort of substance. So I was like, what about the 13%? If 87% of people are doing that, what about the 13%? And I think we get a choice at any time in our life that you can become part of the 87%, but you can also become part of that 13%. And so that's what I hung my hat on. That 13% of women that I never met in my life, that's who I focused on and thought about and remembered that if they got through this, if I can get through this, that I can certainly figure out how to build a business too. Boom. I love that. I love hearing more of your story and the, the Tony Robbins connection. I mean, I went through a really bad breakup with a boyfriend and I watched all his infomercials at nighttime and then realized I needed to buy his tapes and I couldn't even afford them because I went to the library and got them in the beginning. So I love that both of us have that in common and it changed our lives. So yeah, I did not know that. That's amazing. We are online marketers, which means we have unique needs. And there are so many options out there for paid media. Sometimes it's hard to figure out where should you go to reach your ideal audience. But here's the thing. Have you thought about LinkedIn ads? LinkedIn ads empowers marketers with solutions for you and your customers, and it allows you to build the right relationships and drive results and reach your customers with meaningful content. You do not want to sleep on LinkedIn ads. And here's the thing, 79% of content marketers said LinkedIn produces the best results for paid media. I hear it from so many of my peers, and I know you're doing important work. And with that, you want to make sure that the work you're doing is getting in front of the right people. And that's what LinkedIn ads will allow you to do. So let your marketing efforts connect with the right audience and get a $100 credit on your next campaign. So if you go to linkedin.com slash Amy, you can get that $100 credit. So that's linkedin.com slash Amy. Terms and conditions apply. I know you're focused on marketing and selling your digital products, but I know many of you also have physical products and I wanna talk about Shopify. Shopify is a user-friendly commerce platform that helps you, my dear online entrepreneur, build an online store and make more sales at any stage of your business. They're the force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other businesses at every size. Let me tell you why Shopify is an online entrepreneur's dream platform. It's because it helps turn your browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout experience. In fact, it converts 36% better compared to other leading e-commerce platforms. Yeah, loving that. And I don't know about you, but as an online entrepreneur, my customer's experience, especially when it comes to checking out, is so important. Plus, not only do they support your customers, they support you as the entrepreneur. Shopify's award-winning help desk is there to support your success through every question and every step of the way. There's a reason Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash made easy, all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash made easy now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. That's shopify.com slash made easy. So many people in my audience either want to start an online business or they've already started an online business. And financial stability and financial security is a topic that we talk about a lot and it comes up a lot. And it actually keeps people frozen from going after what they want because they're like stuck in a nine to five job because they want that regular paycheck. So I want to talk about money, but something we've never talked about on the show is tax benefits. And and you definitely are an expert in this area. So can you talk about some of the tax benefits associated with having a business, even if it's like a side hustle? And uh, that's the first question I have for you. I love this question, right? Because I think this is really missed. And when I exited my last company in 2019 and I came on to this online world for the first time, I was like, why is no one talking about these things? Because they're so critically important. So if we break it down simply, if you, if no one's ever heard this before, I'm going to make it super simple because if we, if we, if it's simple, we can duplicate it. We understand it. And that is what really is the most important part about finance. Cause most of the time people talk over our head. So then we think we can't learn it. But finance, just like learning anything else in your life, it's so easily done if you have someone that can explain it. So let's take away the the three different types of income. Let's start with that. The most amount of tax that anyone listening will ever pay in their lifetime is on earned income. Earned income being your W-2 employee that you're going in and they're taking money from you out of your check, right? The second, the two other types are passive income and portfolio income. The way that our tax system is set up is that the tax system, the basis points are just meaning that you're paying a lower percentage of tax on passive and portfolio income. The advantage of having earned income inside of even a business is it gives you the ability to take tax deductions, write-offs that are common and useful to actually have a good or do a service or have a course. So the other thing that courses are really special about what you're doing is if it's an ancillary revenue stream to something else in their business, it actually could be taxed as passive income because the government says that anything that you set up once and that you're not actively involved in is passive income. Typically, it's for like real estate property. And then portfolio income is typically like stocks, bonds, and all of that kind of stuff. And not to get into the weeds, but a course is a really great way to do two things. Earned income, because it increases your income. And it's typically something that once you have it, you can set it. Of course, you have to tweak it and, and massage it and do all of the things. But then you can pay a lower tax basis. The interesting thing about owning a business is when you are able to open yourself up to all those tax deductions, now you're able to keep more of what you make. Most people think you got to earn more, earn more, earn more. But as you earn more in your lifetime, you'll realize that there's a second part of that. There's like a little sister is it's also you've got to keep more of your income. So it's not always what you make in your paycheck. It's what you do with it that matters. And so I think having a business is an incredible reason because you've got tax benefits. It's going to open you up to things that having a, a just a normal nine to five isn't going to. So a side hustle is a great way to do that. Also, another great way is real estate investing as well. Oh, good. I'm glad that you gave some examples. And also speaking of taxes, 
There are a few strategies that you talk about in your book that can help any business owner give as little money to the IRS as possible. Please do tell. Yes. So, oh my gosh. So I am very fortunate when I was 19 that my very best friend was going to college for accounting. So here I am having a business. She's going to college for accounting and she's working an accounting job. And I was going to buy a vehicle and she's like, you know, you can write that vehicle off. And I'm like, what? What do you mean? And so she was like, yeah, there's this thing. And sure enough, like I had to research it for myself um, and look into it. And there's a thing called Section 179. So anyone listening, if you have never heard of that before, go to section179.org and it'll give you all kinds of examples that business owners are able to use Section 179 to do tax deductions to reduce their taxable income. So that's one of them. Oftentimes, if you drive a vehicle, that's why you'll see a lot of people that have businesses drive Range Rovers and Escalades and G-Wagons because for as long as I've been in business, which is a really long time, this has always been a rule that any vehicle with a six thousand pound gross vehicle weight or more has the ability to write it off. Now, taxes change every year. Sometimes it's 25,000. Sometimes it's a small portion. But in the last few years, it's been a hundred percent of the business use. And you have to use it for at least 50% of the business use in order to do this. There's a lot of obviously things that you need to know. And I don't advise anyone to file their own taxes on their own if they have a business. But what's interesting is if you're not going to the right person to have these conversations, you are going to end up paying far more in tax than you ever need to. That's just one example. Another one is anyone that has kids, rather than just giving your kids money for every single thing that they ask for, you can put them on payroll and actually pay them income that will go to them under a certain amount. Right now, it's around $13,000 or less. They won't pay taxes on it. And then you can also do things like open them up a, a custodial Roth IRA, which if you did that for your kids and just invested until they were 18, they would be millionaires by the time that they retired. So those are just two of the little things that we always talk about. The third one, anyone can Google to get more information. It's called the Augusta Loophole. And I have a whole video series on Instagram about this. It's how to rent your home or another property that you have tax-free to your business. So it's a way that you can take money out of your business and put it into your pocket tax-free. So these are just some of the like fun ones that most people don't know about. But the reality is that even if you have a home business and you and you own a business, like you literally have an LLC or an S corporation, you can also write off part of your home office, your utilities, things in your home that are valid deductions because of you operating a business. The thing to remember is when when you earn an income from a paycheck, the government takes out that money first. When you have a business, you get the money first and then you pay taxes later. And the amount that you pay later is determined by your knowledge on the subject and who you work for as far as with your tax strategist. So there's nothing that we can do about the tax code when we have a paycheck because that's just what they take out. But when we have a business, all of these big fancy corporations that have millions of dollars to have lobbyists pay our federal government to have all of these deductions, we, the little guys, get to take advantage of them too. Absolutely. So Candy goes over this and so much more in her book, Wealth Habits. And so we'll talk about that a little bit more near the end, but these are the strategies that we absolutely need to know as entrepreneurs. One of the mistakes, I think I haven't ever talked about this, but one thing I wish that I was better at 
early on, like 14 years ago when I started this business, is understanding all these tax advantages. Because I love what you just said. It's all about your knowledge and understanding. The more money, the more you know, the more you save. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's really important to un- for most entrepreneurs to know that the very last skill set that 95%, when we did the research, 95% of entrepreneurs learn is finance because it's not taught in schools. We don't understand it typically even in our own personal finance, but business finance, once you understand the data and the numbers and we don't emotionally attach ourselves to the result, we can make such better decisions in our business based on the data. So one of the things I always say is like, if you wanted to start to learn Spanish, what were you going to do? You're going to sit down with a Spanish book and you're going to start to learn the language. If you have a business and you've never intentionally sat down to do this, I want to encourage you that within the next month, so have your bookkeeper prepare all your information or you do it if you're doing it yourself and sit down, make a money date with yourself. It doesn't have to be boring. It can be fun. Set up a date for two hours. Go to your favorite coffee shop, a resort, have a glass of wine, whatever it is for you, and sit down with your balance sheet, your profit and loss, any accounting software that maybe if you have a CRM program or a POS, if you're brick and mortar, if you have a course, like what is the data from Kajabi saying, and start to look at that. Even if you have no clue what it is, it's the same as looking at a Spanish book for the first time. Start to look at that so that you can do the work, pick up that first five pound weight so that you can develop the muscle and really understand business finance. That's when you can start to make really good decision and really help your business grow and help you save on taxes in the meantime. Oh, I love that. To have a little financial date with yourself, that's a great idea. So another thing I wanted to ask you is that, as you know, we're in uncertain times with our economy. And some people are saying we're in a recession, we're headed for a recession, who knows? But how do you feel about starting a business during a recession? Oh, it's the best time to start a business. (laughs) Why would you say that? I love this. I've never been asked this question in like a hundred interviews. I (laughs) love starting a business in a recession. So when we did the research for the book, the most amount of billionaires, billionaires in any time in human history came out of 2020. What happened in 2020, right? The whole world shut down. More billionaires were created. There will be more millionaires that come out of this time than any other time in our lifetime. Because here's what the, the research shows us. There are only four to five times in a person's lifetime that we get an opportunity like the one that we're coming into right now. And it is an opportunity. So when you hear these words, recession, volatility, market pullback, I want you to remember this podcast and I want you to just literally flip the script for that word. When you hear those words, I want you to say, okay, Candy and Amy said, think opportunity. That's what I want you to think about because When times are tough, that's when most businesses, they actually do have some volatility. So it actually opens up the market for the little guy to get in, whether it's investing or business more easily. But how do you do that? You want to make sure that you've got a recession-proof business. And a recession-proof business is something with a really simple business model. So something that doesn't need a ton of innovation. It's not like we're going to try to build an electric truck or anything, right? It's something that exists, but it's just you're bringing your genius, your experience, the way that you deliver it in the market, you're bringing your own personal stamp on it. 
That's what's going to make something more recession proof than some flashy tech thing. As we see, there's all kinds of volatility in the tech markets right now. And that's because all of the new technologies have a harder time sustaining through a recession. But there are a lot of things that are more simplistic, like what you teach people about a course that no matter what are going to stand the test of time. So I love the fact people are even thinking about starting a business in a recession. The other reason it's so important is the more you invest right now, it's kind of like going to a shoe sale, right? When you go to a shoe sale, everything's on a discount, half price. That's the way stocks are right now. So if someone hasn't developed like a Roth IRA or hasn't invested before, it's a great time to start because you can start to invest in stocks and bonds that are maybe at a lower place than where they were just a year ago. Oh, I love that. Absolutely. Can you give me a few other ways that my listeners can recession-proof their business? So they already have a business. Are there things they can do right now to take advantage of what's happening in the world? So you got to remember when we've got market volatility and everybody's acutely aware of this word, you may have to shift your messaging, right? When you're in a really great time and everything is really pushed up, that's the way everybody is feeling. So it's easier for them to come along that boat, if you will, and start to work with you. But once we have volatility, you may have to start to shift your messaging and your offers to what's going on, right? So it might not be a Cadillac product, You may have to have, not to say you have to do away with it, but you may want to allow the other people to get in on whatever it is that you're offering and shift that messaging. I think Dean Graziosi told me one time, it's like sometimes people are looking for a lifeboat. They're not looking to go on the yacht. So it's like, how could you shift your messaging to have more of a lifeboat of how your product or service is going to help people now or what it's going to prevent them from? That's why like what I do is really key right now because this is in my book. Like, Who would have thought when I was writing my book, I actually had a chapter, How to Recession-Proof Your Finances, in the book that came out right when... Because when I wrote it, perfect. we were in a great time. The market and everything was really shooting up. Real estate was doing great. So it's just think of that lifeboat messaging. How do you change your messaging? How do you have to tweak your offer in order to allow more people to come in with what you're doing now? So like, let's say, for example, which I know this isn't the case, if the only thing Amy offered was a $25,000, I create your own, your course for you. Well, in this type of market, it would be beneficial to have a $1,000 product that's more DIY right? So it's just kind of how can you shift your messaging and your offer for what people are looking for in this moment? Because that's the thing with business, it always changes, like the way it was in the late 90s compared to now is radically different. So the more flexible that you are, and the more that you can adapt in these different markets, the more successful you'll be. Amen to that. I want to talk about your book, but before I do, I have one more question for you. So one of the things that's unique about you is you have a really great understanding of the power of a mindset that serves you. And I'm wondering, can you tell us about the mindset you have when it comes to building long-term wealth? Mm. Well, so a few things. One, if you don't at some point intentionally trade your instant gratification for long-term gains, you'll be working forever. Instant gratification is where people are trying to get the labels, they're trying to get the flashy thing, they're trying to look rich, look successful as opposed to be wealthy. So my question is, what are you willing to give up now? What are you willing to say no to now so that you can say yes to anything later? 
if I looked back at that 19 year old kid that started a business, I wouldn't even be able to articulate how my life looks right now because I couldn't even visualize it. I couldn't even see it. And that's what I think is so important for everyone to remember is when you play the long game and you delay gratification and you really go all in, not just for the quick hits, but for the long game, you will be able to create more success, more wealth in a, in a more rich life than you can even imagine. So that's, I think, one thing is playing the long game. What are you willing to give up? And then I have this question that I obsess on and I've done it for probably 20 years. Is it, does this decision take me closer to or further away from my true vision and mission for my life? Ooh, say it one more time. One more time. Does this decision take me closer to or further away from the vision I want for my life? But here's the thing. It's easy to say that. It's hard to do it. When you get that answer, no, this does not give me better health. No, this does not give me better contribution. No, this does not add to my wealth. No, this doesn't help me and my family's goals. When you get that, it's then not doing that. It's not taking the step. It's deciding on something else. And that takes discipline. And I know it's a very unsexy word that people don't like to talk about because most time we want to feel like we're in this really happy place. But I promise you, if you have a little bit of discipline, you will be able to have a happier place than you can even imagine by playing the long game. So I think that's a really important question. And then really getting clear of what are you willing to trade? Like rather than wanting the Louis bag, how about buying the Louis stock so that when everyone else that's your friends are carrying their Louis bags, you know that your dividend's going up and that stock price is going up. Like rather than going to Starbucks at six bucks a pop, every time you do that, just invest in the Starbucks stock. And then in 20 years from now, you can message me on whatever social media there is and say how much money you have by this one thing, right? So... The iPhone, if instead of buying these iPhones, when they first came out, they were 500 bucks, depending on the storage. If somebody would have just bought $500 in op- Apple stock instead of, or in addition to the phone, they would have millions in the stock right now. Oh, I mean, come on. That is good. I've never heard anyone say anything like that before. Like that, that is powerful stuff. And speaking of something powerful, let's talk about this book. It's called Wealth Habits, Six Ordinary Steps to Achieve Financial Freedom. Tell me why you wrote it. Tell me who it's for. So I wrote it because I wanted to take 25 years of what I wasn't told, what nobody said, all of the mistakes that I made, all of the expense that I had to go through and condense it down into a book to help someone else. And I also did it because... Back in 1999, 97, 95, when I was reading books, the only pictures on books were men that wrote business and finance books. And so although my picture is on the book and I actually fought that, I didn't want my picture on the book. It was actually my publisher that said, wouldn't it be nice that Candy would have been able to see a picture of a female on a finance book? And I said, okay, sold. (laughs) So So that's the reason. But the book is broken down into very specific. It's a playbook. It's not theories and ideas. This is like, This is we introduce an idea, we explain and back it up with data, and then we introduce a behavior to take and what the action actually is. So it's very much like your book. It's a play-by-play. It's not just theory. But it's important to understand that the very first part of the book was written intentionally because I can talk to you about the taxes, what you invest, all of this. But if we don't first go back and fix 
all of the things that we've been taught or have caught in our lifetime and what we believe about money, about success, about finance, if we don't first identify what beliefs you actually want to have, and if you have any broke beliefs that are keeping you from building wealth and success, we address that first. Because you and I can teach all of the tactics that someone needs to do, but if they don't have their mindset right, we're going to be swimming uphill together. So mindset isn't the whole piece, but it's a really important part. And we start with that. And then we go into all of the ways that you can earn more money, how you can take what you know and package it into a product or a service and sell it to a market that needs it. And even if you don't want to quit your job, because I know there's so many people that out there preach, burn the boats, go all in. But if you have a family and responsibilities, that can be really dangerous and irresponsible. So I often say it's easier to keep what you have, do something on the side, until you get some stability so that you have more confidence in order to go all in. And then we go from there. Like, again, it's not what you make. It's what you keep and it's what you do with it. So then we go in through basically the DNA of money and what it really means and how you can make more of it, how you can invest it. And then also, of course, with me, I have a nonprofit that I founded when I was 26 is my way to give back. So the very last portion of the book talks all about contribution. Like, it's not just what you make. Like, people think it's the wealth is the accumulation of assets, but wealth is truly what you can do with it. It's who you can serve. It's who you can bless. It's the freedom that you can have in your life. And so we end the book by making sure that people don't get so focused on making money that they forget to build a rich life. And so that's kind of the, the whole premise of the book. And um, so a lot of good things, all the study, we did a 40-year study on all of the markets in order to give people the information that they need. But it's all written in a very simplistic way. I always say that my dad has an eighth grade education and anything I tell him, I need it to like land so that he's totally go with it. And that's the way that the book is written. That's fantastic. I, I love that. So where can people go to grab this book? Anywhere online? Anywhere online, um, candyvalentino.com. I have all the links there and Instagram. I'm at Candy Valentino and TikTok and all the places. Perfect. Candy, thank you so much for coming on the show. Truly appreciate your insight and knowledge. Thank you so much for having me. It was so good to see you. And thank you for sharing me with your audience. Of course. Okay. So isn't Candy just great? You know that I'm all about creating systems. And I love that she's literally created a system for wealth building. The way she explains things is down to earth and refreshing. And she honestly just makes a subject that can be really intimidating, so much more approachable. And the fact that you learn about where she came from and her story and where she's taken herself and where she's going, it impresses me beyond belief. So make sure to grab her book. I think that's the next best move. You will be so glad you did. And I love that she talks about different strategies in order to make more money in your business, to keep more of your wealth. And also those tax strategies, I mean, bring them on, right? So hopefully you love this episode and you'll go grab her book and listen, I'm going to be back next week, same time, same place. So I'll see you there.